And welcome to She Thinks A Podcast, where you're allowed to think for yourself. I'm your host, Beverly Hallberg, and on today's episode, Bethany Mandel joins us to discuss her children's book series called Heroes for Liberty. These books focus on American values in an entertaining and engaging way, bringing magic and joy back to your child's bedtime. So if you are a parent or a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle and are concerned about the woke children's literature lining the shelves of your local bookstore, the classroom, and pages of Amazon, then this episode is for you. Bethany Mandel is a contributing writer for Deseret News and an editor at ricochet.com. She frequently writes for the New York Post and The Spectator. In the recent past, she has written for the New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, Fox News, Daily Mail, and The Atlantic, among others. She is a stay-at-home mother of five, homeschooling her children. Bethany, a real pleasure to have you on She Thinks today. Thank you so much for having me. Now, you are a writer. You are prolific on Twitter. I'm one of your roughly 100,000 followers. What made you go from op-ed and essay writing to editing a children's book series? Yeah. So, I mean, I write a lot about the situation in schools and in libraries, and it's really depressing, to be honest with you. It's uh, it's really easy to feel like we're it's a David and Goliath fight, and you know we're the David and they're the Goliath. And so, you know, I wanted to pick up my slingshot and throw some stones, and so that's what Heroes of Liberty is. It's you know us us trying to throw some stones at Goliath because. Um, you know, we can't count on the the woke children's publishing world to produce books that we are excited about and that we want to share with our children. So we just decided let's just do it ourselves. And there's definitely a market there. There definitely is. Um, again, the book series is called Heroes for Liberty. But I just want to give some titles of some books, woke books that are out there just to give some perspective of what parents are finding. So we have A is for Activism, Anti-Racist Baby, The Gay BCs, Feminist Baby, Woke Baby, C is for Consent. We are seeing woke literature that is yeah. targeted towards babies, mm -hmm. not just young children, not just teenagers. When did this become a problem and how prevalent is it? So I think that the most uh, sort of accurate way to gauge that question is uh, the American Library Association, the ALA, has a list of banned books. And so on the list, they, uh, they chronicle the books that get the most objections in the libraries from parents. And if you look at the books from like 2013, um, the, the most popular book on the top of that list was Captain Underpants because it has potty humor. My kids read it. There's been a lot of conversations about farts ever since. Um, but it took a turn. And now on the top of the list for several years running now is a book called George, which is about a transgender child. And it's a, it's a middle grade book. So it's written for kids like eight and up, eight to 12 or so. And it talks about hormones. It talks about surgery. It talks about transitioning. And it also talks about like, you know, because that wasn't enough. It also talks about sort of uh, inappropriate material that the child found under his dad's bed. And so when we think about these books and how they're being targeted, what, what would you say is the goal of these books? Obviously, there is an agenda behind it, but how do you describe what that agenda is? So it's a couple things. Um, I, I think that the, the, the biggest objective is to normalize uh, gender fluidity and, and questioning gender. And so, you know, if you were a kid and you were watching TV and, and looking at commercials, uh, the objective was to get your to get kids to bug their parents about buying Tickle Me Elmo. And it worked. I mean, Tickle Me Elmo was like the most popular toy 
when that Christmas season when I was a kid. And it's the same idea with these books. They, George, which I've unfortunately read <laughs> as part of my research, um, George wants to tell kids that it's okay to feel like you're a boy or a girl and that this, that's a thing that's that can be changed. And that if you're feeling conflicted, if you're feeling emotionally sort of unmoored, this is a way to sort of set yourself on an even keel because, you know, this is the magic bullet solution. If you, if you don't enjoy what's happening to your body and you, you know, who, what woman loves what's happening to their body <laughs> when you hit puberty. And so they tell girls, there's an answer. It's a, it's a magic solution and it's hormones and it's surgery. And then the line that is in George that I think is the most terrifying is you need your parents' permission to do these things, i.e. get your parents' permission to do these things because this is the solution. This is what you need in order to feel like you're safe from all of these sort of the swirl of emotions and hormones and everything that happens when you're a prepubescent girl. Um, and that's who this is marketed for. It's marketed for prepubescent girls. And when I think about just books and and children in general, they have such an important place. I know that there are lots of studies about parents who read to their children. You mm -hmm. see great benefits um, to the, the children as they get older if their parents did read to them. I even know when you're thinking about tough concepts, I know when it is potty training mm -hmm. time, you read to your child a book about mm -hmm. using the potty. Or I remember yep. when my mom had another baby and I found out about my mom having another baby because she read me a book that I was going to be a big sister. So we use this avenue, this medium of books to help children learn. So would you say, especially when we see the woke ideology seeping in, this has great impact because there is a way that children just learn through books that is not something that you can then take back. It's it's yeah. hard to put put the put it back in once it's been out there. Yeah, no, it absolutely. So, I mean, kids are very black and white thinkers and books are a source of facts and information. And so anything a kid, an eight-year-old reads in a book is factual as far as they're concerned. They don't have, they don't have a, a, a brain that can discern when they're being, uh, when the, when they're, someone's trying to put one over on them. And what's really terrifying about these books uh, written for middle grade kids is that these kids are reading them independently. And so I know that I'm not going to read ABCs of AOC to my children, which I have. Like no, my, you're, no, you're not going to. Weirdly, right? <laughs> um, I have it here again as research. I have like a whole box of like banned books in my house. But, um, but I know I'm not going to be reading these A for activist baby books. The dangerous books are not those books because parents have to read those to their children. The dangerous books is the middle grade books because they're, they're, exhibiting all of these ideas and promoting all of these ideas really behind parents' backs. Um, because I'm not pre-reading every book that my child reads. Right. I, I had a, a pretty uh, sort of eye-opening experience um, in November or so. Um, I was doing research about children's literature just in general. I mean, I'm a, cons <laughs> a conservative writer, like I'm very prolific, like this is my zone. This is like where I live. And uh, I was at the library with my kids and I have five kids. And so my uh, my eight-year-old runs up to me and she's like, I want this book. It's a graphic novel about girl soccer players. And I was like, whatever, just leave me alone. Let me talk to my friend. Because um, I had like five kids like coming up to me like wanting different <laughs> things. And so I just said, fine, whatever. Put it in the bag. Here's my here's my library card. You get to scan it. Enjoy, whatever. So I'm having calls with parents in Loudoun County uh, about their effort to sort of 
clean up their school library. And two different moms mention the same book, Breakaways. It's a graphic novel. And the first one, I like write it down, whatever. Don't give it another thought because she lists a number of books, including George, the one that I discussed earlier. And then another mom mentioned Breakaways. And so I look back at my notes. I'm like, oh, I guess that's why it sounds familiar. I don't know. And then I think to myself, like, I'm going to check my library bag, which I hadn't taken out of my, my car yet. Thank God. I'm like, this is like one of the times that we're not being organized had saved me. And I look at my library bag and sure enough that the bag that my, the book that my daughter had picked out and put in the bag was that book that two different Loudoun County moms had warned me about. And I look it up and I look inside the book and sure enough, there's a, there's a scene that is outside of sort of LGBT. Q issues. There's a scene between two girls who are having an exploratory experience at a sleepover outside of the fact that it's two girls. And there are people who might find that objectionable. An eight-year-old girl should not be no. told that she can have an exploratory experience with a friend at a sleepover at eight years old. No. That is... That is and it, it, the thing that kills me about all of this promotion of, of gender ideology is that it's it's a form of grooming. It's when you tell an eight year old that they can have an experience like that behind their parents back and promote that idea. That's like a stone's throw away from any number of abuse issues. I mean, th we came on the heels of Me Too. And yeah. then you're telling eight year olds to ignore any internal conflict that they might feel about, you know, being in a being in a bathroom with a biological male and that they can have an exploratory experience with a friend behind their parents back at a, at a sleepover like this is this is a dangerous road that the, the the left is going down while at the same time talking about me too this is how we get there that's the road and you're paving it when you talk to other moms, uh, even fathers, dads, do you find that parents feel this burden to now have to read through the kids, the books that their kids have because you can't trust them anymore? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you, like you even said, you weren't even aware that this book would have this content in it. So is it, are we at a place where parents feel like they have to supervise everything that their child is reading just in case? So I have a, I have a couple pieces of advice. First of all, I, I think that not enough parents realize that they have to be supervising. Um, I think that parents of our generation have the perspective that as long as they're reading, it's good. And I compare it to food and eating. And we would never say, I don't care what my kid is eating as long as they're eating because there's junk food and then there's literal poison. We screen what goes in our kids' mouths. So why aren't we screening what's going into their brains? And arguably, like maybe that has more longer lasting implications unless they're like drinking bleach. But <laughs> which, you know, Children can't do. happen. <laughs> that happens. I'm not going to say that I've called poison control before. But um, but so I think that parents don't realize that they have to be doing that screening. And so once that realization takes place, there's a couple of sort of tricks that I recommend. First of all, um, look up every book on Amazon and look at the one star reviews because parents who have come before you often have opinions. Um, I, I think that it's important to... Uh, to if you don't want to do that and and even if you do um old books are usually safe like anything yeah. written before 1980 is usually pretty safe um and also i mean books like ours there's other books like the tuttle twins and you know 
you're not going to find anything objectionable in Heroes of Liberty or the Tuttle Twins. That's a guarantee. And so you sort of, you stock your shelves with books like that. And then you, when you know, when you go to the library, just scan it on your Amazon app and look at the one-star reviews. And, and that's an easy way to cull 95% of this stuff. And that's a perfect segue. Let's talk about the book series, series, Heroes for Liberty. What would parents expect if they decided to purchase these for their kids? Yeah, so we have we have out right now five books. There's uh, Thomas Sowell, Ronald Reagan, Amy Coney Barrett, and then uh, we release one a month now. And so our February book of the month was John Wayne, and uh, our March book of the month is Alexander Hamilton. And so uh, folks can buy them on our website or they can subscribe and get one a month. And it's just like sort of automated, uh, which is nice to be able to fill your bookshelves. But we, so we decided to do uh, biographies for children for a couple of reasons. And I think that the the best way to learn history is through the prism of an individual's story. And so when you read about Alexander Hamilton, you're reading about the founding fathers, but you're forming an emotional connection to Hamilton and his story. And, um, and you know, looking at the incredible illustrations. And it's, uh, it's, really nice that we we've we've chosen a couple of our figures sort of based on the message as opposed to the person so for alexander hamilton it was just like the person and the history whatever but for john wayne the theme of that book is manhood and honor Mm. and that's a message that young boys are not getting now about what it means to be a man and grow into a man uh and the importance of manhood and honor um they're told that their masculinity is toxic and uh for the amy coney barrett book which is perhaps one of the more controversial because, you know, a lot of people on a lot of sides don't necessarily love her. But the theme of that book is, is the fact that she's a justice and a mother. And we talk a lot about, and I write about this a lot for Deseret. We talk a lot about the sort of the plummeting birth rates and, you know, the myriad of reasons why that is what it is. And I think the, the biggest reason is because motherhood has a PR problem. We tell young women and girls that motherhood is oppressive and that you're a martyr. And we say this even on the right. We say, you know, mothers are martyrs. I'm like, I'm not a martyr. I just really like my kids and I think they make me happy. And the the Amy Coney Barrett book tells girls a message that they're not hearing now in modern literature, that they can be professionally successful, which is what told girls are told ad nauseum, but also that you can have a, a family and also have a big family. And introduces the idea of adoption and biological family and blended like there's a whole bunch of themes written in there but it's all sort of about the fact that she is professionally successful and also a mother um and so i think that young girls are not getting that message and it's it's a really important one to sort of fight back against the culture war against motherhood and against families and so when we think about, okay, a book series on American values, usually we think of, oh, this is going to focus on the founding fathers, but I like what you said there. Well, there may be founding fathers in there. This is really about themes that are healthy mm-hmm. for young girls and young boys. What age range are the books ideally for? So ideally it's for ages seven to 12, okay. um, but there's wiggle room on either side. Um the illustrations we really banked a lot of money in. Um, and it was funny, we actually had a hard time finding illustrators who would take on the project once they heard who they were illustrating because they didn't want to get canceled. And so we had to go to Bulgaria to find our, you know. Really? Yeah, yeah. So like one of our artists is Bulgarian, another one is Brazilian. Um, they're like, it's it's literally every continent basically. Um, but we, uh, I think there's another one from Nigeria, I want to say. Um, but 
the wiggle room with the illustrations lends it to like my four-year-old really likes reading them. And my two-year-old loves looking at the pictures in John Wayne. Um, and so she like picks it up and she's like, Oh, it's a green book. It's John Wayne. And she, she picks it up and knows that it's John Wayne. Um, so there's definitely wiggle room on the front end and on the, on the older years, I mean, they can read it by themselves. Um, you talked earlier about sort of the importance of reading out loud. And um, I'm a, I'm a super deep believer in that as a homeschooler, one of my favorite books, um, sort of parenting books that I would send home with every parent is uh, Jim Trelease's read aloud uh, handbook. And uh, Sarah McKenzie's blog, Read Aloud Revival, is also fantastic. There's been this sort of renaissance of um, of the understanding that we should be reading out loud to our kids and that the benefits are astronomically high. And especially when they're in a classroom where a teacher is masked, it's so important that they see someone's mouth reading to them um, because it, it is really helpful for their literacy skills, especially when the their teacher might have their mouth covered and so you know you're pointing to every word i'm thinking of my four-year-old who i'm teaching to read right now so you're pointing to every word and you say b is for boy and you like really emphasize that mouth movement and d is for dog and i don't know if you can see like for people who are not watching on video you really emphasize those mouth movements and um and that's really important for early literacy and a way to sort of undo some of the damage that we're we're doing in schools and tell me about the success of these books so far. Have you found that parents out there have been craving something like this? Yeah, yeah. So I just got back from CPAC over the weekend, and we had hundreds of people come up to us and say, oh, my God, why didn't this exist? And people <laughs> people were like, oh, is this like an organization? I'm like, no, we're for profit. We we're, we would like to make money, and we are making money uh, because there is a market for this. People are, you know, people are looking for books. And when you walk into a Barnes & Noble, you will see – quite literally, 27 versions of a Ruth Bader Ginsburg biography written for children, zero about Clarence Thomas or uh, Amy Coney Barrett. Um, And so, you know, the same thing with Kamala Harris. There's a million biographies of her right now. And our April book is Margaret Thatcher. So. Uh Right. And, and what is the cost and where can people find them? So it's heroesofliberty.com. And um, the cost is $199 for a 12-year subscription. And we're still sort of fiddling with the prices uh, of the individual books, but it's about $20, $25 per book. But we're still sort of finding that sweet spot. And the sweetest spot is the subscriptions anyway, because then you can sort of automate it and have it sent to your house. I love the idea of a book a month, different themes that children can have. Again, you can go and get that uh, heroesofliberty.com. Did I get that correct? Heroesofliberty.com. Bethany Mandel, thank you so much for your wonderful work on this and also joining us on She Thinks Today. Thank you so much. And before you all go, Independent Women's Forum does want you to know that we rely on the generosity of supporters like you. And investment in IWF fuels our efforts to enhance freedom, opportunity, and well-being for all Americans. So please consider making a small donation to IWF by visiting IWF.org backslash donate. That's IWF.org backslash donate. Last, if you enjoyed this episode of She Thinks, do leave us a rating or review. It does help. And we'd love it if you shared this episode and let your friends know where they can find more She Thinks. From all of us here at IWF, thanks for watching.